Field Notes brand, USA-made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit fieldnotesbrands.com or 400 North May in Chicago. It is the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast series, featuring industry panels recorded live throughout the city of Chicago. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at dynastypodcast.com. This week, Behind the Music, a panel with music industry professionals produced with the DePaul Music Business Organization, featuring Jim DeLuca from Pitch Perfect, Reginald Williams from Club Ticks and React Presents, Megan Hurlitz from Live Nation and On the Grind Management, and Dan Monahan and Augie Schmidt from Tall Animals and Audio is King. Here's how that sounds. I'm a Black here for Dynasty Podcasts. I'm at DePaul in Lincoln Park in Chicago with the DePaul Music Business Organization, DMBO. And we've got an awesome panel here today. Jim DeLuca, Administrative Assistant at Pitch Perfect and also works with Shoebuzz. We've got Reginald Williams, Operations Manager at Club Ticks and also does marketing and booking with React Presents. We've got Megan Hurlitz, Production Runner at Live Nation, also works with the House of Blues box office here in Chicago and also Manager and Booking Agent at On the management and dan monahan and augie schmidt uh actually old friends of dynasty podcast we've had on at least once or twice um here today representing with audio is king how are all of you guys doing today why don't we go down the list and have you guys each kind of really open up about what you do in the music industry what all that entails and kind of how people could find you right now well my name's jim um right now i am an administrative assistant with pitch perfect pr so i do a lot of press release related stuff like that for shubas i am also a booking agent intern so i work with matt rusens at shubas and lingen hall and do all the legendary yeah matt rusens is a uh, seriously talented mysterious man <laughs> even for people who work with him so i do local booking for lincoln hall and shubas and uh support roles and things like that i also work doors there and uh help periodically with promotions and the other interns at both venues awesome my name is uh reginald you can call me reggie i am operations manager for club ticks which is an online ticketing service we uh help out uh different venues different clients meet their ticketing needs so if you guys ever wanted to sell tickets for an event you could contact us and we can set you up with that i've i've been able to work with react presents helping them with booking as well as marketing and promotions we have a bunch of festivals as well as various venues throughout chicago which i'm sure you guys may or may not have attended some of our events I'm Dan Monahan. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer. I'm part of the group Tall Animals, which is an EDM-based pop group. Basically, songwrite, work production on songs. Been doing it for years in Chicago. Do a lot of work across the country, songwriting, and we'll get more into that. But my guy, Augie, over here is part of that. I'm the other half of that. And uh, we also have uh, written for a bunch of different artists like Breathe Carolina, Plain White Tees. What other cool stuff? Everything. Produced a couple of tracks on some Tim Burton movies, and uh, you guys done? It's nothing to All right, so I'm Megan. Um, I have three jobs. My first one is I'm a production runner at Live Nation, so I do day of show work. Um, I'm basically a runner, so I go shopping and stuff, which is kind of cool for the stars. Um, I also just started at the House of Blues. I'm a box office ticket agent, so you'll see me in that little cubicle, so you got to talk to me through the mic. And my last job is I work at On the Grind Management. I'm a manager and booking agent. Um, currently, I don't have a band, but I do book shows throughout Chicago. Sweet, man. So we got a lot of people who are doing a lot of work, and we're going to kind of touch on... I think multitasking and some of that kind of conversation as well throughout the panel. But again, let's kind of start 
in keeping with some of the origin work, like how did each of you guys kind of get started either in the music business or with the projects that you're working on now? You know, kind of how did this, because everybody has a different story on how they start doing music work. There's not really one way into the industry anymore. Actually, I was a education major at Loyola, studying to be an English high school teacher. And um, at the end of my junior year, I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And uh, naturally, that's not a lot of time to drastically change what you want to do with the rest of your life. I started applying for things that were music-related because I knew that's what I would have preferred to do and started working for a small independent record label called Minty Fresh. From there, moved on to the Windish Agency and then Shubas, and here I am now. It's all a, pretty awesome. About those, a year later, yeah. And those are all really like, all those are institutions with a lot of history, you know, like Minty Fresh, immediately Veruca Salt comes to mind, among many, many other names. Windish, I mean, you could go on, Lord, like there's so many names involved with Windish. And then Shubas is a venue with so much history where so many artists have played tiny shows. I think even one of the more recent examples is like a couple of years ago, like Macklemore did a tiny show at Shubas when he was like, you know, kind of not really a name yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are all like, you know, very notable places to be associated with. I, uh, it took me a while to decide what I wanted to do with college. I did the whole community college route for a little while. And then when I was 21, I decided that music was going to be my uh, field. So I went to Columbia College, studied music business as well as marketing. I finally sat down and started thinking about what types of stuff I wanted to do. So I applied for an internship at Flower Booking, got that. Then I wanted to get more into the live events aspect of things. So I interned for React. You know, I called, I literally just on a whim called them up they're like yeah come in next week i interned for them a year later they gave me a job and i'm still there so that's that's kind of the 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 beginnings for me at the time i had i knew what dance music was i did and that's what we're known for i didn't listen to dance music now i know every dance music artist (laughs) (laughs) known to man and it's it's insane it's a lot of fun that's how i got started i just you know putting in work school interning and a little bit of luck i'd say yeah you know you never know who's going going to pick you up and say, yeah, come work for us. You know, and the luck only goes so far. This is what I see a lot, because sometimes people do get lucky, but it doesn't last very long if they're not doing the work. The work's like, sometimes luck can get you in the door, but the work is what's keeping you there. And then the people who get lucky and are just like, I'm a huge deal, like, and they don't do anything. I mean, they last weeks. I've seen that so many times. Sure. Our story, me and I have been working together for years, but same type of thing, like uh, high school, college, all music stuff, uh, went into education, kind of like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll teach, maybe I'll do something like that. But all along, working and honing your craft, putting in their, your, you know, your 10,000 hours of, of work that you need to do before you really get to the point where you, you have something to offer. So just cutting our teeth that way, I, felt, I feel like I, I can't even begin to tell you the wicked web we have of just how <laughs> I'm sitting at this panel, like sometimes. Well, I mean, but, we- Played in bands. It's yeah, all started I mean, with playing in bands through like, you know, coming up through Chicago, playing the Metro and doing that thing. And somehow along that we started writing songs and producing songs for friends and started getting lucky a little bit with that and got a few cuts that were cool. And we're like, we work kind of well, like writing with other artists, helping them craft songs. Yeah. So we kind of, we're still artists as tall animals, but we do this other thing now that fits well with it, where we're writing and producing stuff for people. Yeah, and I can't tell you how amazing that energy is. I'm sure it's the same for these kind of guys. Like when you you go in and nothing has happened yet and you create something is unbelievable. Putting on a show or doing it, it's just, we love to do it, so. I started doing shows in high school. I did one my senior year. I met a lot of cool local bands that are unfortunately no longer together. And then throughout college, I knew right away that music is what I wanted to do. So I started doing, I joined DMBO. 
this nice panel who put on the panel. I did that, and then through that, I got introduced to a lot of different places. We did a career fair. I met a lot of cool job opportunity things. I started interning at Second Wave Music, which was founded by Steve Johns Online, unsigned bands. I put them on there for a while. I got an internship at J.B. Ross and Associates, so I got the law background in music. And then my senior year, I found my current job. So I've always been focused in music, and I've kind of built up those relationships throughout the years. Something that seems to be coming up a lot in the discussion that you guys just all gave was the internships, you know, doing internships. And there's a lot of debate these days about like, you know, whether internships are fair or not, whether it's worth a student's time, you know. And and I see some people who are like, I don't want to work for free. I don't want to be giving my time and and labor and not getting anything in return. And then I see other people who are like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I did this internship. I got this job with Live Nation or like you know, iHeartRadio or, you know, like those things happen. So kind of where do you guys fall on the internship debate and kind of what did you guys get for those of you who did internships? Kind of what was that experience? What were the benefits of doing that? Real, real life work experience, to put it, to put it easily. Uh, School could only prepare you for so much. You don't know what really goes into the uh, job or field you are pursuing until you get out there. And I didn't get paid. Well, I got paid when I worked at a live show, but for our office hours, I never got paid for. It was a sacrifice I knew I had to make, and I knew I was going to be better for it, personally. I graduated with a degree in English, so... If you can't guess by that, there's not much correlation other than being able to write, which is always good. But yeah, it's, the internships were the key to everything that I've been able to do and everything I participated in and everything I've learned because my education really had nothing to do with that. Um, Renaissance literature doesn't connect with Pharrell. Or... <laughs> but you know what? I mean, Kanye Westman got married in Florence, which is where the Renaissance happened. So there's some there correlation. I mean, we didn't really intern, but you know, it's the same kind of process where you get your formal education. I took ed- music education too, but it, it goes so far till you have to really dig in and do that, that hands-on work on your own, you know? And it's always more than you imagine when you're sitting in college and you're like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. We'll put on some shows and put a band together. But it really is like the 10,000 hours thing because it's all encompassing. It's the merchandise. It's getting the van and organizing people and setting up rehearsals. So, you know, I feel and we've like that- had, We've had some people kind of like intern for us almost pretty much yeah. you know doing stuff like had a couple roadie guys that have gone on to like some really cool like stuff. roadie for legit dudes yeah, you know it's funny like, like hey can i can i just come with you guys on tour and do stuff sure man you want to help out yeah but it's that nice stepping stone where it's like i don't know in other i feel like if you're going to go into accounting or like in a different profession there's like a stepping stone to get there like they do internships too but it's paid but in the entertainment industry you need i'm pro pro intern yeah me too it's certainly not a cheap industry to break into. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in many different ways, money and time. But I think that that's what separates the people who go on to do things, because it's very rare that somebody just, like, you know, goes to college for four years, they graduate, and then they, you know, they don't do any internships, they don't do any networking, they just send a resume to, you know, let's just say Clear Channel, just for example, and then get hired next week. That normally doesn't happen. Every once in a while, I'm sure somebody's like, yeah, that happened to me. But like more often, it it is like a lot of interning, a lot of networking, all that kind of work, you know. With all that you guys do, kind of what have you seen that has benefited you, that that has allowed you guys to kind of get where you are and connect with these companies? Because there's so many things that can go wrong. There's so many, I think, pitfalls that people can fall into (laughs) for lack of a better you know what I mean but like people get an ego or they stop showing up or they think that they don't have to do the work kind of what have been the saving graces that have allowed you guys to really connect with some great companies and do some cool projects 
I would have to say my internships. I interned a lot, and I know I spoke to DMBO earlier this year too, and I told them to just get out there and intern. When you intern, you're building relationships, and as long as you're professional and you're good and you work hard during those internships, those people kind of stay with you. They're your references. They're going to be your contacts. They're going to lead you to different places. And if you burn that bridge, I mean, you're burning your bridge with pretty much anybody. It's not, people say the music scene is so big, but really it all comes right back at you. Some people will come up at me and they'll be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, it all comes back, especially here. Like everybody connects. And if you mess up something at one internship, they're going to hear about that. And then you're never going to get another one. So it's really important to always act professional, get out there. When you meet somebody new, you shake their hand, you introduce yourself, you just don't go like sit in the corner or you don't like act rude or anything like that because that's going to come back at you no matter what. Yeah, to add on to that, the, the music industry in whatever city you're in is very small. Once you finally put your foot in the door, you realize that there is it's not that that large at all. Everybody knows everybody in some manner or another. I'd say as an intern, especially if you are interning wherever, don't, don't lose sight of of your, your particular focus. There's some internships that are kind of broad in general and as you fit into what you feel you want to pursue, open up, tell tell whoever's in charge of you, like, hey, I'd like to do this as opposed to this stuff. Because I've seen a lot of interns come and go simply because they didn't want to be assertive, assertive enough to speak out on what it is they really wanted to focus on. And you can get lost in the mix if there's 10 interns a semester, you know, so definitely be assertive, be persistent. Don't feel that doing, you know, making coffee every day is, is a, a garbage task because... <laughs> Guess what? One day you might make coffee for somebody who you have not met and they like you and they say, hey, you step into my office. I want you to help me with something. So being committed and uh, asking questions, making yourself known. It's yeah, it's easy to get lost in the haze, especially when, you know, if you like 10 other interns with you or something like that. And you work in an office where people don't know your name. Don't let it phase you. And yeah, it's, it's kind of it can be demoralizing at sometimes, especially when you're not getting paid or like you play a show and not as many people show up as you'd want. But that's how the industry works, I guess. And I mean, you just need to learn to roll with it and need to be consistently positive. You know, I mean, Reginald, this is kind of like tying into what you were talking about. But I mean, we're coming out of like, you know, this recession or whatever you want to call it. And the music industry has seen a really rough what, 15 years or so, you know? So between like the just actual recession on the music industry, just losing so many jobs and really just not having it shit together, how do you go about turning, you know, you're lucky enough to get the internship and you're committed enough to get the internship. How do you go about turning that into a job? You know, because it's one thing to have somebody let you work for them without paying you. How do you make that next step? Because I think a lot of people, you know, who might be listening to this or who are in the audience or whatever might want to know that, you know, it's one of those things I don't think people talk about, you know, it's kind of a taboo thing. Like, how do you start asking for money or saying, okay, my time is worth this or how can I move up? Well, every internship I've had and my my job now came from knowing someone in my previous one. If you become good friends with who you work for or who you're working with and you sort of voice your opinion about what you want to do or where you'd like to be going and they like you and you get along, they're much more willing to help you get to where you want to go. And I mean... My job with Pitch Perfect, which is today was my second day. <laughs> so were you like, you know, I run this now. Like yeah, I've been here yeah, a while. Yeah, exactly. Where's my coffee? Yeah. Oh, I do actually control all of the interns' roles now. But the jobs that I applied for coming out of school, I didn't find online or anywhere like that. I found through my connections that I'd made at my previous internships, like 
because people are constantly referencing their friends in the industry to find people who are knowledgeable and have the abilities and skills that they would like to see in a potential job candidate. So it's, again, it always, I feel like it always goes back to who you know. It's an important point too. It's, it's relationships. I mean, it sounds basic and it's easy to overlook, but it is a small community. And if you're just easy to get along with and you work hard, you know, and you have relationships and keep them positive, people will want to work with you and hire you. Yeah. And I would say that, no, you know, you, you got to know within yourself one to, you know, okay, I'll, I'll stay late. I'll, I'll, you know, do this track cause I should for free. You, you have to know your own, you have, you, everybody's got a breaking point and you, you should set that for yourself. Don't set it too low, but I would say, you know, like when we're in a room, I'm just like we're writing or we're doing something like that. I, I really like, how can I be an asset to this moment? How can I stick out and make it, you know, they, they, you know, you need to make yourself needed and people, people will eventually pay you for that and if you're our, talented enough. Our industry, there's so many different ways. Like you could be an artist or a, a booking agent, but you're doing so many different things. It's not like you're doing this one thing. There's so many ways to be an asset in a different situation. I mean, I've made a lot of coffee. But you know what, that's such such a great point, because I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting out in the industry, it's about like, what can you give me? What, like, why don't you give me this job at Metro? Why don't you give me this job at Jam Productions? Instead of saying like, hey, you know what, I could bring this to you guys. I'm a graphic designer, or like, I'm a promoter, or I've got these kind of video skills, or I can do sound, like, in life, that's such a great way to to make things happen is to go up to someone and say, hey, I've got this. I would love to share this skill and have it help you guys. Versus like, hey, man, yo, React Presents. Yo, like, get me into Spring Awakening, plus five. Like, what can you do with that? What can you do for me? I can't do anything with that. Would you like but to I'm promote sure for me? there's a lot of people who do that, you know, who, sure. who are like, what can you give me instead of what can I do for you guys? Well, there's a lot. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know if it's just a younger thing, but people are lazy sometimes, you know? There's a lot of people that get into music and think it's going to be fun. And I think that mindset makes them a little lazy or not realizing they got to do some work. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think, a great lead into the next question, which is how much work is it? Because I think people see, like, you know, Flostradamus, Lady Gaga, they see every, you know, it oh, looks yeah. like a party. And they're just <laughs> like, oh, my God, I want to go work in the music industry so I don't have to have a real job. Right? There's no work involved, yeah. right? You see the finished product. Yeah. It's all you see. Um, there's a lot of work. Uh, I personally, like I, we book shows and we put them together and the day of the show, we also work at the show. So we do everything from, you know, zero to to a hundred. I like to say, uh, when it comes to music festivals, same thing. We have a million things that we do. We work in the office from nine to five. It's usually eight, nine hours, more, more than that. And then the weekends, we still work at the shows. So this is a lot of preparation work that goes into the creation of this moment that you guys, most of the, most of the time, is what you guys see. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. That's really all I can say. It really no, is a lot work. of work. I mean, how many shows you guys put on a week? It's insane. Oh, yeah. Anywhere from on, on, on a slow week, we'll do like four or five. During our busiest periods, you might do... 10 to 20 shows a week depending plus all on the festivals plus the festivals we do three festivals so imagine planning for you know six to ten shows that weekend and then knowing you still have a music festival to help put together and it's, it's insane but a part of it is seeing the fans at the end of it all i see 10 20 000 kids just going full on for their favorite artists and you're like we did this it worked yeah. awesome it's it's hard work but it's certainly satisfying very satisfying if you put the time in the end goal is always worth worthwhile as a student doing internships and things like that i'm looking back on it i didn't even realize how time-consuming things can be but 
I wouldn't have changed anything because in my opinion, if you have free time, obviously not all free time, but a lot of your free time should be dedicated to promoting yourself in any way that you can, whether it's making your own blog or hosting events like this, you should always be trying to make yourself stand out. Yeah, I always like to think of it as like, what can I do for me five years in the future? Like, what can I do today so that five years from now, I have like a better setup than I, you know, than if I didn't do something today. And what I've noticed just in general, that it, it you know, they always say it always takes longer than you think, then it takes even longer than that. <laughs> and then a little bit longer, and then it happens. But then you got to do it again. You know, and that's like how this whole thing works. But the, the satisfaction from, from, you know, doing great work is, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point as well, as I think that a lot of people don't realize that it's not about what you've done, it's about what you're doing today. So it's like, you know, again, I'm going to use React as an example here, because it's a great example. Like, when you guys finish Spring Awakening, it's not like the office is like, well, we're done for the year. It's like, then you got, you know, after shows at the mid and you got to like prep for North Coast and you got to, you know, the Monday after Spring Awakening, and I'm not just saying anything, the, you know, like the day after anyone does anything, all people think is like, okay, what's next? What else are you giving me? So you always have to be creating and, and constantly be doing it because you can't say like, oh, whatever, man, we threw an awesome party in 2009. No one cares. <laughs> like no one remembers oh, and no one cares. Yeah. See, the big breakthrough show for, for React was a... Uh... I believe it was like Justice in 08. It was a New Year's Eve show. Oh, the con dude, I okay. So contradicting yeah. myself, I do remember that show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that okay. was a, that was a beast. But if they stopped at that, you know. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, well, that's kind of the exciting thing about about the industry, though. I mean, uh, working in music, you can tell that everyone who is who you're working with has an inherent passion about being involved in it and they're always looking to the next thing not because not only because they have to but because they want to and because they're excited about what they're doing next you know it's so funny you say that like i did an interview or i was producing an interview at a q101 radio so the late great q101 which is not around anymore and uh this was at the end of q101's run on the air we had a uh, greg corner from kilhanna on and i i've, I've brought this up on a couple podcasts but it always sticks with me and he said something that i'm never going to forget it's like 2011 and he said that now, at that point, and it's so true now, anybody who was hanging around in the music business or doing music work to get rich left because that wasn't there anymore. And the only people who were going to be left were the ones who were doing it because they love it or they don't have a choice. It's just what they have to do or they're kind of stupid and stubborn. And this is just this is their life. There's no one else doing it these days or very few people doing it, especially in a city like Chicago, because they're getting rich. They're all everyone's largely doing these things because they love it. And this is their passion. Because the money, by and large, not in every instance, but a lot of the easy money is gone. A couple of days ago, I released a song, and it, it, it's always like a little bit, kind of like with shows and stuff, like you, you work so hard, you know it's going to be great, and now it's starting to be great, and you're gonna, we're going to work the hell out of this song all summer. It's going to be great. But the same day, at, at that moment, I'm like always a little sad, because it's out there now, totally cool, but here we go. Got to do it again. Like, I'm already, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the next three the next ideas one? are in the bag, like, we were working on it before we came to this panel today and we're going to, as soon as we're done here, we're going to go, you know, it's just like, it, it's, it's awesome to have that, but it definitely, it's very emotional. Let me just say that. <laughs> it's fun though. Well, people like us too, I think everyone at this table, you don't clock out. Like we're all entrepreneurs in a sense, even if we work for people where we're not nine to five people. I mean, you get an email from somebody that deals with work at midnight, you're right away on it. You know, it's like, I think we choose this lifestyle that has this career that doesn't stop. It is a very good point. It is a life. It's not a regular nine to five job. It definitely is a lifestyle, which shows for us, 
if we book somebody in London, obviously the hours, the, the time difference is way different. So yeah, you yeah. emails. If you don't know how to use an email account, you're in trouble. Man, email is a skill though. Everyone thinks that it's like not, but there's a real skill to writing real emails that'll get a response. You have to be real succinct and send at the right time. Absolutely. I um, I was leaning over my boss's computer earlier today because he was showing me how to do something, and I looked at his inbox, and he had three thousand emails, and I was like, what the? Like, how do you? He's like, oh, it's okay. I got it organized. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, I have like I think probably twenty seven folders in my Gmail because it's just like I keep everything, and I just. Put it into yeah. Um, you know, let's let's kind of shift gears for a second. All of you guys are currently operating in Chicago for one or more projects or companies, and a lot of people, especially like you know some of the younger class, you know, they either go to LA or New York after they graduate, or even before they graduate, they just decide like you know what, all the music work and entertainment activities in New York or LA, and you guys are all currently based out of Chicago. What's keeping you here? Why are you guys doing it in Chicago versus going to one of the coasts? Well, it's funny for us because we, I mean, these days more than any time in the past, like recording so mobile. We used to work out of a studio in Chicago, which was cool, you know, and we were kind of grounded. But now, I mean, we're in L.A. like one week out every month writing for people. Then we come back here and write and performing for Tall Animals. I mean, Chicago right now is an amazing city for the EDM music right now. So, I mean, being in Chicago is amazing for that fact, you know, being a part of an EDM project. And I feel like we travel enough. I feel like. It's kind of transient. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little transient at times. I don't know, man. The, the opportunities, maybe it's just this, in that small world, but it seems like opportunities are just as viable here as anywhere else. You know, people don't think of it either. Dude, like, There's some things like when you do go out west or different coasts that could be a little harder than you think. You know, it's not just, I mean, there's obviously a proximity effect to a lot of things you do, but I don't know. It's a, it's a more expensive cost of living. And then the, I think one of the strongest benefits of being in Chicago that I think maybe people don't always think about is that maybe there aren't as many jobs as there might be in LA, but everybody else goes to LA and Brooklyn and then you're competing against everybody else. Here, you have a better chance of standing out because everybody leaves. And then if you really put in the time, if you do the, the 10,000 hours, like we keep talking about, like you can stand out and you can really like start to make a name for yourself here. Whereas in LA, if you show up with nothing to your name, it could take you a lot longer and be a lot harder. You're going to pay a lot more, and you're competing against way more people. That's always how I think of it. You know, and I love L.A. and New York, but Chicago, to me, it's like you can really build something here. I think this is a city where you can build. And why not? If you can build a base in Chicago and later on say, okay, you know what? I want to try L.A. I want to try New York. At least you have a base. Yeah. You're not leaving and, and, and going on an adventure that you really don't know what the end result is. What if you don't get a job, you have all this competition, but at least if you did have something in Chicago, you can apply to L.A. and New York and still be here and, and hanging out and be like, all right, well, this opportunity is around, has, has come up. Yeah. So my whole, my whole understanding was let me create a base here before I, I did decide to leave to L.A. or New York for whatever reason. I think it's an amazing place for concert promotion, you know? I mean, I've been to, we've been to L.A. a bit, man, and it's just Chicago's where it's at. I feel like there's more shows. Dude, we are a live music city. We yeah. really, really are. I mean, you know, like, I know, like, Austin's, like, the music capital of the world, like, music capital, but, like, I mean, we have a music festival. There's seven music festivals every weekend, okay. you know? It's like... On a simple level, it's just there's a lot of great music in Chicago, too. I mean, there's a lot of really great local artists and local bands, and there's always a good show to check out. So what do you guys kind of see as maybe some of the obstacles that either you're facing in your industries that you guys are maybe coming up against or, like, that we face in Chicago? What are some of the obstacles that 
are coming your way in the music side of things that, you know, you encounter in the industry? And how are some of the ways that you're maybe going to be able to kind of move past those? Well, there's always the simple money problem. (laughs) Yeah, I have three jobs in the industry. (laughs) Yeah, you really have to be working. (laughs) Balancing your budget is always, which is a good thing because it trains you to be organized, which is something else that you definitely need to be good at. But um, especially when you're working on paid internships, it's important to find balance and have other work that you can do somewhere else to keep yourself afloat. Money's definitely tough. Um, staying ahead of the curb on, on what, what the kids are really enjoying when it comes to booking a show. The attention span is it's like five seconds for most of you guys. Yeah, It's so, Snapchat length. You know? <laughs> yeah. No more than 10 seconds. Especially in, in, in the dance music world where a DJ could be off the charts today and gone next year look at chain smokers man i mean chain smokers were huge and then like and i'm not saying they're not huge now but then they did the american idol appearance like a week ago and people just turned on them like wolves people are so fickle now there's not you know when i was growing up like i always use this example which kind of ages me but like i have smashing pumpkins like i fell in love with smashing pumpkins music and i've been a fan of their music for like 20 years and it wasn't a thing where i was like oh i kind of like this band today i was like oh i feel a connection with this band and their music this is who I like. Like, this is my life. I like this band. Now, I don't think that that necessarily happens as much. I don't think people find an artist and they're like, I'm going to probably listen to this artist for like the next 30 years. Right. People might be like, I might finish this song. (laughs) 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 Maybe. No, like when Siamese Dream came out, I remember I was into that record for like at least a solid year. And I, even myself, I don't think that would happen if a record came out today that I loved. It might be a week. It's, It's like my mindset, but everybody's too. It's just the turnover is so quick. So how do you guys deal with it then? I mean, in all of your various roles in music, whether it's promoting a show, publicizing an artist, writing music, any of these things, how do you kind of combat that where everybody, in every respect, has the shortest attention span? People watch Vine videos, they watch, you know, they get Instagrams and like, and they tweet and everything has to be, there's this Onion headline that really summed it up, like I think the age we're living in. It just said, tweet skimmed. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, that's exactly where we are. <laughs> so kind of how do you combat that when you guys are all putting, you know, events, music, information, any of these things out into the world and hoping that people connect? I think that's part of that, how you never stop working and you never clock out is people don't think that whether you're writing for like this next week, Dan, I had in L.A. to write for an artist. And, you know, you have to know who are the hot people that this person wants to sound like when you write for them. Just like with React or Shubas, who is the cool guy that's the Macklemore of you know, three months from now. So it's like you always find, I find myself doing research late at night, like, you know, what's popping on SoundCloud or what is this blog talking about that's the next big, whether it's EDM or, you know, indie folk. You got to keep up with it. It's yeah. Really, it's, yeah. It's fast. Yeah. It's so fast. Stay keeping up with, with, with blogs, the, the latest music, um, data. Data is huge uh, as far as uh, you know, customer data. Anytime you guys purchase tickets somewhere to or, anything, <laughs> yeah, to anything. Anytime you download something, typically you're leaving some sort of data behind. An email address, um, whether you're male or female, what city or area you live in. So that helps us kind of build on our demographics and, and really understand who likes what. So it gives us a better opportunity to to really book who we think would be successful. Not only to bring you a great artist, but to also know. Okay, okay, we're not going to lose a million dollars if we bring this person here because 10 people are going to show up. So customer data is huge. Yeah, I mean, did you guys see it? I'm not trying to name names, but did you see that music festival that just happened like over the weekend in Chicago and like 500 people showed up? You guys didn't, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yeah, there, no one, one heard about it. Um, name a name. Y- if you research it, you'll find it pretty quick. It's up on like <laughs> dnainfo.com and it's 
I'm not trying to sound gleeful that this operation didn't succeed because it's really unfortunate. But like looking at it, it's an example of like, wow, man, like this, either someone didn't do their homework or something went wrong and it just did not pan out. That's the other part of networking that comes in when you're booking shows and things like that. And you start to develop relationships with people in agencies or with labels or publicists. And you start to trust each other and each other's preferences and knowledge about what they think is going to be successful in the future and what, or what's going to be successful now. And it's like a lot of investment. She was in Lincoln Hall, they'll book shows for six months in advance before an artist even has an album out. And you kind of have to, sometimes it's just hoping that people connect with that material. Mm -hmm. yep. And sometimes it fails. <laughs> That's kind of the nature of it. But you know, I mean, it's so cliche to be like, you know, it's the people that fail all the time and learn from it, those are the ones that are successful. The people who are successful in any field, it's not because they never failed, it's because they failed and then figured out what to do with that. For each of you guys with the various roles you have with different projects, companies you work with, or anything you're doing for yourself, how are you guys promoting yourselves? You know, like what social media tools are you using? Like to me, I don't really use Facebook pages anymore because if you have a thousand likes on your Facebook page, you're going to reach 60 people. To me, it's like not worth it. So are you guys using Snapchat or using Instagram? Do you use Vine or using like any of these kind of tools or how do you guys utilize, you know, the social web and mobile? It's funny for me because I feel like I started on Twitter and then got really deep into Facebook when they changed those rules like two summers ago or so where the likes kind of got all weird. I've went back to Twitter. Which is funny for, for me personally, because I'm cracking up myself like, oh, back to Twitter. But it's so easy and it's quick. But of course, I'm an Instagram. I'm crazy about Instagram, but, you know, that's my own personal thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm active on, on all of those social media platforms, more so like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. And it's more, it's more for people to see my experience. I'm not... I'm not, uh, you know, sending silly faces or anything like that. <laughs> I might do something where I'll show you the the uh, back room of a venue. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Chicago Theater, but there, the basement of Chicago Theater is incredible. And it's, every artist that's ever been through there has signed the wall. So like, I'll show you some back, you know, behind the scenes stuff of, of what I do. And then I'll show you the show, just different things like that to show, show people my world. Um, and then I recently just started writing for a couple blogs. So a couple, couple of those articles should be floating around soon. So the name, my name will get out there a little more, but it just comes down to knowing what you're capable of and, and not being afraid to, to put yourself out there, whether you're working somewhere and, hey, I want to write more. I'm going to write for a blog or I want to do marketing for this artist who I thoroughly enjoy and I want people to, to really get, get a better understanding of them. Don't, don't feel, feel afraid to put, put yourself out there. That's really the only way to do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there's almost no room kind of left for modesty. Like, and it doesn't mean you have to go on Twitter and be like, hey, look how awesome I am. Like Kanye West can kind of get away with that. Like most people can't. But it does mean that, yeah, you kind of have to put yourself out there every day. It's not like you can be like, oh, I promoted on Tuesday, and it's Friday. Yeah. Like, no one remembers. Dude, yeah, totally. totally. The feed goes so quick. Man. Yeah. I have the hardest time with that where I'll, I'll be, like, writing a tweet or a Facebook thing, and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. I sound too cocky. It's too Kanye. Delete. I don't know about you guys. That's why I spent, like, forever. I'm like, why is this taking so long? <laughs> yeah, I haven't really been able to discern a real formula for an artist to be successful like these are the steps you need to take to to get a good draw or something like that it's really hit or miss with bands or what works for them if it's instagram if it's facebook if it's twitter if it's i think it's different for everybody i look at someone like tyler the creator who has just totally mastered twitter like tyler the creator gets twitter his audience is on twitter he can express himself perfectly on twitter 
people retweet him. Like his content, his voice, his messages go out and they land really well on Twitter. Other artists I see, it's like they'll tweet once a week and they're like, you know, playing Knitting knitting Factory Friday, hope to see you there. And it's just like there's no engagement. Well, yeah, those are the things that you, you need to develop a personality, I feel like, if you're really going to be doing something with Twitter. Because, I mean, yeah, you can promote a show via Twitter and stuff like that, but no one really cares no. to see that in their in their feed and stuff like that. I mean, if you can have a funny persona or something like that, they're definitely going to remember you a lot more than... The Riot Fest Twitter, perfect mm-hmm. example of that. <laughs> you know, like there's festivals that just, you know, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to announce the lineup on Friday. And then Friday, they're like, here's a link to the lineup, here's a link to tickets. And like, that's fine. It puts the info out there. And then Riot Fest is like, awesome. Their Twitter is really great. That's the perfect example of like having a voice that connects with the audience. Yeah. Everybody. Only their audience. I love that yeah. audience. Because <laughs> they're the punk rock kids. They don't care. You know, they'll, they'll take a little bit of a beating and then they'll give it back. Some, some demographics, some audiences aren't necessarily like that, but Riot Fest is definitely one of the funner, funner audiences out there. So I think it'd get ugly maybe if like Spring Awakening tried to do that with like their, <laughs> yeah, right. you know. But yeah, Riot Fest is the perfect one. Or Lala. The Lala crowd is so like mainstream. I think they would just get confused or offended. So I think we're going to open it up maybe to the audience for some questions here in a minute. But I kind of wanted to get maybe some closing thoughts. Like where, what are you guys each hoping to get to in the music industry? Kind of where are you looking to go? Or what's the next step for each of you guys with what you're doing? Or, or where do you hope to get to? Well, like I said, I just started my new job with Pitch Perfect, so I'm glad to be there. There's a lot of room for growth, and as an English major who just graduated from Loyola, I love writing, and getting to do, you know, working for a PR company is is an amazing opportunity, and hopefully to grow in the company and be a little more independent and do a lot of individual work within the company would be an ideal situation. Yeah, I still have a lot of room for growth myself. I mean, I've only been doing this professionally, I'd say, for two years. So with React themselves, there's, there are definitely a lot of steps I, I'd like to take, be a, a bigger part of, of, of like marketing and booking. But I also, later on down the line, want to uh, manage artists. And and that's definitely something I've set my eyes on. I've, I've been talking to, to different people regarding that. So. It's definitely something I'm going to be working towards. Probably the same type of answer, but where we're at to, to connect with people, I think that's why we first got into this to write. As long as we keep doing that, I think our point is to just keep doing that at a higher level. Just keep inching that forward all the time. And um, I don't know, I absolutely love what I do. I, you, I, I can tell you 100% I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, we've been lucky where we've steadily been writing songs for bigger and bigger artists, you know, and now we're at this point where there's some, there's artists on major labels that we've written for, their songs released, and it's cool, but hopefully just in that direction where that hard work starts to pay a little more and life gets easier. <laughs> we'll see. And also Tall Animals, our project, like, just keep building that core fan base, because that, the writing we do for other people is awesome, but then Tall Animals is like our baby that is just like, that's the music that really, you know, when that connects with people, it's amazing. I would eventually like to tour manage. Right now, I'm kind of into like a whole bunch of different things. Um, I've worked with a lot of tour managers through Live Nation who don't always know what they're doing. So before I take that gigantic step, I want to make sure I have the background I need to make sure that when I go out there, I don't make a fool of myself and I know exactly what I'm doing. So that's kind of where I'm at. Why don't we open this up? We've got this mic. 
Uh, my name's Ellie Nelson. Um, I'm a tour, er, uh, band manager for the Boxers, who we've been fortunate enough to work out with Shubas. I guess I, my question goes uh, towards Reginald and Jim in terms of how do you get your band to that next step? Once you've passed 50 people, once you've passed 1,000 followers, how do you really gain that next following and kind of graduate into more serious, being taken more serious by um, more, music, like more musicians? Yeah. I guess one of the, the big things I notice a lot uh, when it comes to booking is it's like sort of the gift and the curse of the artist where you, where you want to be having a lot of shows um, and make a little cash on the side but there also needs to be a demand like when when the boxers played she was they had a pretty good draw that sort of thing tends to come from artists knowing to take their time and pace their shows as opposed to like slamming out shows once a week at like township or a random random venue like that because you want to have a large crowd it's more exciting for the people who are there and i mean pacing is a good thing to know always having new content content to share or a good stage presence is always do you guys appreciate it more when you come with a full lineup like having a couple artists that you can say i'm confident that we can come with these people or do you like being alerted of like a date where you'd like to play and then be put up for other artists to play with it really depends on, on who the artists are, to be quite honest, because if you have one group or one artist who's a fairly good name, a fairly good draw, then you're not so much concerned with who else is on the bill, but maybe those other two bands or acts on the bill will push that show over the top. So, I mean, it really depends. And then I have another question kind of in line with that in terms of branding. How did you guys, like, start off with your branding? Like, I'm, I'm trying to come up with um, the, the entire their entire logos and their websites. And what are some of the platforms that you found very helpful in, in terms of that you guys were able to reach out to? And for you guys, what do you see on a day-to-day -day basis where you're like, oh, they're, they have an impressive um, EPK. Um, I like them from Wix or I like them from Songbird or... You know, I feel like, is that more for the promoters kind of question? What kind of branding and like the, the platforms you've used and have been effective with besides social media? Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of it is you, the social media platform is the way to reach people, but you need to have some good ideas as far as, you know, like you said, Brandon's show. He had a good point about you don't want to overplay. So when you do play that one show every six to eight weeks, you want to make it kind of a, an event. You know, and it sounds very simplified, right? But a little idea to make that a show more than just like, hey, I'm playing with my two, two friends bands, you know? But I think, you know, whatever the theme would be, like a tiki event that's in June on a rooftop, you know? Whatever it is, you know, like what was it? We played NIU and we just made it, we just called it a banger, the Tall Animals banger. But the promoter loved that you're putting thought into it and we, we got animal masks, dude, and we, you know, made it an event where everybody came to the show, got a free animal mask. And as I thought of it, I'm like, this is kind of cheesy. But just making it something so when the crowd comes, they're engaged, and it's something more than just seeing your band play like they did two months ago. But we always have crazy brainstormings between, like, the three of us will, like, be like, what's the craziest thing we can do? And it's nice when you hit that plateau where you've played a club a couple times, and you're between, like, 100 and 200 people, and you're like, you want to hit that next level? I've always found it helps to find, like, a scene of bands, whether it's, like, in, in your genre, like, they're doing your thing, but you can play in front of their fans because they're drawing 200 consistently kids. You know, that's something we've always used where... We try to find artists that are in our genre, drawing the same amount so we can, you know, play in front of their crowds. And that's something that helps, you know, get to that next, get to that 500. <laughs> yeah, um, venues notice when you take the time to, to get people to the show. They'll be more inclined to put you on a better bill with the touring act that's going to draw themselves to get you a better fan base if you're willing to make the commitment and draw people on a night where that they might not typically have a high draw, like a Tuesday 
or Wednesday or a Monday. And I mean, know your audience. Like we talked about Riot Fest. They know who they're catering to and their fans love it. Their followers love it. And I mean, if you can identify the type of people that are going to your shows and cater to them in specific ways, you're going to be much more successful than you would be sending out generic tweets or posts and things like that. If you threw a party once a month and 100 people showed up to your first party, what would you have to do to get those 100 people to come back, if not more people? And you're not repeating yourself. It's not the same thing over and over again. I like to think of concerts sometimes as parties. I mean, to a certain degree they are, but obviously you have a big name artist that's bringing the people in. So think of it like that. If you were going to throw a party once a week or once a month, what would you have to do to make it special, to make it an experience, to make people want to come back? And I was just going to add really quick, you know, something that I've heard Martin Adkins talk about. Martin Adkins is an educator in Chicago and also just like a punk rock living legend. He's been in the music business for, for decades and he's done tremendous work. And Martin Adkins talks about how, you know, it's it's better to, over, like, it's better to sell out a night at Shuba's than to be like, oh man, we booked the Aragon and seven people show up. You know, because in one instance, you can say, we sold out the room. And even if it's just 200, 250 people, you can put on your electronic press kit or put on Twitter or any place like that, we sold it out. Versus if you're like, you know, I see bands sometimes play Metro, and Metro's a tremendous room that I love. Metro's a big room for some some artists. If you get, you know, that room holds about 1,200, that's what they let in. If you bring in, you know, 75 people, it's not going to look full. You know, I'm not speaking for Metro, but it's just not going to look full. If you bring in 75 people to Shuba's, that's almost half the room, and it's going to feel like there's a lot of people there. So it, it, it's all relative. Like, if you've got an artist that maybe you have a 1,000 Twitter followers, then maybe, yeah, like, do a room like Shuba's or do a room that books 100, 150, or do a student event, and then you see the amount of people that are there in a small room, it's going to feel like a lot, and that's a better victory than being like, oh, my God, we got a headlining thing at Metro. And you bring out 50 people, and that's just going to be bad, bad, bad across the board. So I think you had another question, too. I have one more question, and then I'm sorry. Um, I really appreciate you guys' time. just want to say that. Um, this is more about networking. I'm an Arab Studies and Art major, kind of a different major than the music scene at all. But I've been very fortunate in terms of um, I, I was classical violinist, able to go to Jones, so Chance, Twin Peaks, Orwells, Billy Young, and all the same money people. but. What is like a story that you guys, or A, some advice that you have for networking outside of um, being gaining an internship? Like, and then if you guys have any stories of, of times where you've been at a venue or you've been somewhere and you've made it a point to talk to X or Y, and did you do so before by contacting through email or did you just make it a point to get to them? If you have any stories, thank you, sorry. Wait, so are you in Grammy U? Okay, you should definitely join that. I know that they do a lot of stuff. I don't remember what the thing was called last year at the end of the year. Do you? Grammy no. Town Hall, Grammy Off the Record. It was it was something where they had a bunch of the people that are part of the Grammy here in Chicago. They were there, and you could network with them, and you went around at the tables, and you met them, and you shook the, you know, all the good stuff. And you kind of learned about more how they started. I know Fake Shore Drive was there. Some other guy that played the kids' stage at Lollapalooza, who I don't remember, Ralph. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? No. The Ralph's World guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He knows what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like, they were all there, and that's always a great opportunity to go and meet people. And even if you're a member of Grammy U, you go to, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, and that's awesome, too, because you're meeting people who are your age and in the same position as you are, and you kind of 
learn more about them and what they're doing and maybe you can build off of some of their contacts too which is very important so I would say stuff like that if you don't if you're not a member of Grammy U and you're in college you should definitely join Grammy U yeah Grammy U is is great you know Dynasty Podcasts which is what I'm you know with we've done two Grammy U events in the last six months we did a live interview with Andrew Barber from Fake Shore Drive who longtime friend of this program so that was with Grammy U in December and that was a live event that's you know Grammy U members came out to and then we had Alex Fruchter and Mike Kolar from Close Sessions we did a live Grammy U podcast with them at Columbia a couple weeks ago so Grammy U is a great great tool for you know for networking and for college students and I was just going to say you know really quick before we throw it to everybody else with their great advice if you want to be able to like network and do it in a creative way that maybe other people aren't doing because if you go out to like a concert or like you know you're at whatever kind of thing and you have business cards you might be competing against 10 other people a great way that I have been able to get and, and do things in my whole creative career is doing interviews. When I was in high school, I landed my internships at radio stations by kind of politely pestering the DJs to do interviews for like English papers I had. You know, I mean, these are just like, it was not even for like my school paper. It was literally for like, I've got an assignment on like interview a creative individual. And so I, I would just keep politely pestering people I looked up to in the music industry in Chicago. I was like, hey, can I get 15 minutes of your time over the phone and can I interview you and if you do that you start to meet people and let me tell you a secret people love to talk about themselves so more so than being like here can you take my business card and listen to my band people respond to hey can I get 15 minutes of your time to ask you why you're awesome a lot of people will say yes and then they know you and then they like you because you listen to them saying how awesome they are so do interviews with people because that is a great way to get to know people that a lot of people don't even do and that blows my mind but that's a great tool so we'll let everyone else go in on that now. Yeah, the, the beauty of growing up with such a vast amount of access to the internet and recording is the fact that anyone can do it if they take the time. Probably one of the best things I did was start a blog that TJ, the guy that helped put this on, wrote for. Doing things like that and getting yourself out starting talking to, to PR companies or to venues about trying to get tickets to shows, which is always a plus to convince people to write for you, you know, like, hey, write for me and we'll get you into some shows for free. I mean, it's a win-win. Not only do you learn a lot by yourself, but you also demonstrate that you're willing to be committed enough to do what you have to do to get where you want to go. Um, for me, as far as networking's concerned and, and, and getting to know a lot more people, I like to, I like to stay active on the art scene, I'm into art, not just music, but, but art in general. So I'll go to uh, art exhibits, I'll go to pop-up shops, I'll go to hole-in-the-wall concerts that a friend of mine says, come listen to this band. Because what you'll find is a lot of people in the music industry kind of roam the same circles in a sense. We're all trying to discover different things, we're all trying to meet different people. So if you go to an, enough different events, uh, after a while you'll start meeting a lot of different people, you, you know, and you just walk up to them and you say, hey, I've noticed, you know, I've seen you at several events, I just want to talk to you, you know, see what you do. And and that, it's as simple as that. It's, start noticing who you see around you at various events. Yeah, that's a really good point, just real quick. It's like so many people are just going to be content to like sit behind their iPad or their smartphone and email or like tweet at people. If you still actually go out, like being here in this room or going out to things like this or the Grammy U events or networking events or college career fairs, or like if you go out in real life and interact with people, that makes a huge difference. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, it's that dude who tweets me sometimes. It's another thing to be like, oh, I met, you know, so-and-so last night. She was really, really cool. That makes a difference. And a lot of people 
are either scared of interacting with real humans now, or they're too lazy or they don't think to do it. So doing that will make a difference. Yeah, FaceTime 100%. Like there's so many times whether you're going to the same types of shows, the same types of venues where, and I like the, I like the way that you said it, because I'll see certain people and be like, he's got to be someone important, because he's always here. <laughs> you know. And people don't mind. It's always scary to talk to somebody you don't know. It can be intimidating. But that's like the same since high school. So you just got to get that nerve to go, you know, hey, what do you do? And I like that you said that because that's something where people will just, they're not going to be rude. They're going to be like, oh, hey, I do this. And then that's your shot to go, oh, I'm so-and-so. I'm an artist. Here's and how then, I can help. Exactly. And that's when it's nice to afterwards you follow up with a tweet. And then they'll go, oh, there's that girl I met. And that's <clears> when they're going to go check your song, you know. I have a method, like if I'm in the room and it's like somebody that I want to like, get a song to her, you know, do my normal thing, be funny, big hair, big guy, hilarious. End of the night, here it comes, okay, see you later, oh, it's nice to meet you. I will literally do this, and this works. I'll take my phone out, and I'll just put the number pad on it, and I'll be like, dude, check this out. And you hand them your phone with the, the number, they're like, what? Oh, okay, yeah, you just want my number. And they hand it right back to you. It has worked every time. I don't think it's not, not ever worked. Because they're like, wait, what do you, oh, oh, all right. And it, they have to. They're compelled to put their number. <laughs> they have to because they're like, this oh, guy is trick. so I, tall. Try it. <laughs> if you're at something, if you're at something yeah. very important and it, you need, just try it. It will work. Because they'll be like, wait, why are you? Uh, all right. That's it. But make sure you call it and then save it because that's the thing. I messed that up. Make sure you get in there. But anyway, tricks of the trade. Do we have any other questions from the audience? Yeah, do you want to jump on? Here we go. The organizer of this fine event. I had a question for Megan. What's your name? I'm TJ. I'm, I'm a part of DMBO. I want to know, in terms of shows you've done, which one have you learned the most from? I mean, it could have been the hardest one, but which one did you learn the most? Wait, what do you mean? Shows like Live Nation shows or like On the Grind shows? Live Nation. Um, I don't know. I know that sometimes um, things come up and you need to get them right away. Like. They, the tour needs it or they can't go on. There was one show where they're like, we need a certain part. And I'm a girl and I don't really understand mechanical things. And they're like, we need a plug. And I guess you can have a female plug or a male plug. And I don't know. So I'm in like Radio Shack. <laughs> Radio I'm, like, I'm like, I need a plug. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. Here's the picture. Go look at it and find it for me. And I mean, they needed it. And I was coming back. I was down in Tinley Park at um, First Midwest Bank. And I got caught in the... Like the show traffic, I'm like, I like 10 minutes, and I was like, oh my god, I'm not gonna make it. Like that's one of the things like with Live Nation and production running is sometimes you're slow, and then other times like they need things, and if you don't get them, you're in big trouble. Like that's that's what your job like depends on. There's been times when they're like, we need a certain type of hat, and it's like, okay, where do you want me to get this hat? I called 50 sports stores looking for a hat. It's just like one of those things where you need to do that, otherwise you're not fulfilling what the tour wants, and that's kind of what your job is. So cool. I was gonna ask the same thing for Reggie also in terms of things you don't have to react. Oh, I've had some interesting stories. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I've had I've had a lot of them. I think the the simplest one without talking too much is um we had a we have the Ausla tour which is uh Skrillex's label uh we had three major artists from that label come to town um one of the the original venue that we had booked uh canceled for whatever reason so we had to uh, we had to rebook it that same day at a different venue you change venues you change everything and the venue was was late to open so we're dealing with with kids waiting in line we're dealing dealing with getting the artists to where they need to be after being told they're supposed to be somewhere else. We really just had to 
restructure the whole entire event. And it's just teamwork. You have to communicate with everybody, and then you just have to get all your ducks in a row and just get it done. You'll, you'll really hear that a lot, just get it done. I don't care what the problem is, get it done, because at the end of the day, the show has to go on, you know? So that was probably uh, one of the bigger pains in the butt, but it worked out. Hello, I'm Megan, and I was wondering, um, what's something you wish you had known before you got into the music industry? I would have probably done more internships than I did. I mean, I did quite a few, but I think that it was, they were all very valuable, and I didn't really intern at venues and stuff, and I think that, like, booking with On the Grind and stuff, I think that's one of the things that would have been more helpful, is knowing those venue contacts. Um, sometimes venues don't get back to you, and I mean, I'm lucky because my boss has very strong contacts with them, so if they don't respond to me, he responds to, or he res or he emails them and they respond to him. But I mean, like I was talking to Ellie earlier and she said she had trouble. Well, that's they don't they just don't respond sometimes, and that's harder too. So I think I wish I would have gotten more involved with, throughout the industry. I wish more people were told that they can do their own thing. Like now, it's it's not like easy, but now you can go like you know create a Tumblr and an Instagram and a YouTube and a Twitter and be like I have a company. And if you put in the work and you really like believe that and you make other people believe that, then guess what? You have a company. 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't like that. If you wanted to be a music writer, you had to get for like, you know, in like Rolling Stone or the Chicago Tribune or they're like maybe like a zine. But now you can go do your own thing. And I, I as somebody who teaches college students and, and does like events like this at colleges, I always want to like stress it's so important, like, no matter what the artist, artistic industry is, like, just go do it. Now you can just go do it. And I think that's so important to know, like, you don't have to wait for somebody to give you permission or an internship. You can start your own blog. You can start your own podcast. You can start your own promotions company, publicity company, whatever. You can just go do it. And that, I think, is just awesome. And that's how things get done is people who just start doing it, really. Like, it sounds simple, but that's it. Yeah, I think people use the word industry, and, and it sounds like this daunting, I don't know what you want to call it, but it sounds like this huge, like, I don't want to say corporation, but it sounds like this huge entity. I don't know how to be a part of it, but it's just a group of people all focused on doing something within the music world. So don't don't look at the term industry as, as, as something that's going to stop you because you, you don't know how to get in it. Do what you love. If you love music, focus on what you love about music and you're going to be industry at some point or another, you know? I really want to thank everybody on this panel for really just such a great discussion here over the last hour, man. Uh, Reginald Williams, Jim DeLuca, Megan Hurlitz, Dan Monahan, and Augie Schmidt. Thank you guys so much for being on the panel. Let's give them a round of applause. I want to thank, you know, TJ and, and everybody here at DePaul Music Business Organization for having us here today and Layla Royale, Dynasty Podcast Producer, for recording and producing the event. Thank you guys all so much for having us here, being part of this, anybody listening, anybody here in the room, and thank you guys for being part of it as well. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Haima Black. This is Dynasty Podcasts, live at DePaul University. Thank you for listening. This has been the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast Series. You can find more live podcasts and panels at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black. Dynasty Descend.